Let's, uh, <laughs> I want to say this. I don't know exactly how I'm going to tie this one in, but I really do want to share this story. I, I shared it uh, earlier um, with a couple people. But um, yesterday I got scared to death. Uh, so I, Ashley, I've, I, I sent her to go spend some time with her uh, brother. He lives in Murfreesboro. So she's getting to hang out there for a little bit. And I've, I've been hanging out with the kids doing, doing the, the dad thing. And uh, Friday night, Ren just didn't sleep well, right? So there's a lot of up and down, all this stuff. And so in the morning came, I was, I was tired. I was really tired. So once everybody was kind of awake, I had everybody breakfast and all that stuff. I was like, hey, you guys kind of do your thing. Um, all of you help out, pitch in stuff. I'm laying on the couch. I'm gonna doze as much as I can. I'll get up when I need to, right? So I'm, I'm laying on the couch. Crockett takes my phone downstairs to play on it. Jude and uh, Sally, I think are both upstairs. Uh, no, Jude's, Jude's upstairs sitting there with Ren. Things are happening, right? Well, all of a sudden, Sully walks up to me and he kind of taps me. He's like, hey, daddy, what time do we need to be getting ready for church? And I panicked. <laughs> the deepest level of fear that I've ever felt just came over me. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I jump up off the couch. I'm like, where's Crockett? I need my phone. Where's Crockett? I need my phone. And I'm like yelling for him. He comes upstairs. He's like, what, 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 what? I, I grab my phone. I look at my, the, the phone. It's like 10 o'clock. And I was like, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. I'm in pajamas. I'm not right. I don't know what to do. And so I, it takes me, a, I mean, a good solid minute of trying to figure out what, what do I do here before I slide uh, to, the, to the left and realize it's Saturday. And I, I honestly, like, I, I think I earned at least seven or eight new white hairs just in that moment. Like, whoa. I've had that dream. I can't tell you how many times, dozens of times. That's, that's my anxiety dream, just for the record. If anybody wants to know what that is, I dream that I miss church. I dream that, or I show up without anything ready, or I'm in my pajamas, or I forgot my pants. Anybody have that one? But this was like real life. It's one of those dreams, but real life, I thought I missed it. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And the only thing I could come up with was, Kenneth, we need more songs. <laughs> so if ever you show up and there's a whole bunch of songs, you'd be like, he did it. He really forgot. It happened. <laughs> okay. I, again, I don't know how that really ties in. I just had to tell you guys because there it is. Uh, who has the uh, record in this room of saying, let's get together soon without actually spending time with someone? Anybody say that? Who says it a lot? Hey, we need to get together. Anybody ever say that? Anybody say that and not actually get together? Some of you guys are like, that hurts my feelings. Don't say that. Um, I do that all the time. I can struggle with that. And for me, it's not an intentional thing. Who in here says I want to get together with you and you intend it, you want it to happen, but then you just struggle to find a way to make it happen. Yeah, it's hard sometimes, right? It is tough to spend time with everybody you feel like you should spend time with. It's tough to spend time with everybody you want to spend time with. It is hard. We're gonna study a passage that encourages us to invest our time in each other, even at the expense of other stuff. So if you'll turn with me, we're gonna be in Acts 15 and we're gonna start in verse 32. Acts 15, starting in verse 32. So we're continuing from, you know, last week we uh, got a little bit into this um, and I had, to, I had to back up some because I didn't get to finish. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna read 30 and 31 again, just so I can uh, get our context together again, then we'll continue. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. So there's this excitement because they got encouraged that, hey, you know what? You don't have to follow all the law. You don't have to do this stuff. You're not kicked out. You're in, you're welcomed in. And the only burden we're gonna put on you 
is don't put obstacles to sharing the gospel for lost people. Make sure that that is your priority. You remove these obstacles. And so the, the Gentile church rejoiced because they're like, are you kidding me? All we have to do is care about lost people? We're in. So they're rejoicing, they're excited. And then Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Okay, so these were the two that the church in Jerusalem sent specifically with Paul and Barnabas. They were going there to give credence to the letter that was sent. And they were ready to squelch any argument that arose over the letter, right? So they're going there to say like, hey, Paul and Barnabas didn't write this and say it was from uh, the Jerusalem church. It's from James and Peter. They didn't forge it. It's not a fake. They didn't embellish on it. They didn't add to it. Uh, so so uh, Judas and Silas come there to make sure everybody understands this is truly what has been sent by the church from Jerusalem. Silas, we know, becomes Paul's co-missionary. They go and travel together to bring the gospel to other parts of the world. Judas is probably, this Judas is probably Jesus' half-brother who wrote the letter bearing his name. So this is, this is a big deal. So these prophets come in here, Judas and Silas, they come in and they preach. So they call them prophets. This word means one who proclaims inspired utterances on behalf of God. So Judas and Silas were speaking God's word to the church. This makes sense again if I, I, I do believe this is the same Jude that, is, uh, that the book is named after uh, because we see that God, the Holy Spirit, inspires him to write even a letter that we get in the Bible itself, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the inerrant scripture. In this setting, they are preaching God's word to the crowd. Because remember, they invited the crowd in, right? Not just the congregation, not just the church. They invited the crowd. They said, all of you, all of Antioch, come and be a part of this conversation, this real conversation. So they came in and they encouraged them. That word means to cause someone to be encouraged or consoled. God's word is powerful and it does incredible things in us. We can see it in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. The preaching of God's word should always encourage us, but that doesn't mean it's always going to make us feel good. Has anybody ever read the word or studied the word or listened to preaching and felt something other than happiness? Anybody ever felt conviction? Anybody ever read it and been like, oh, that doesn't sound like me at all when you're reading about the good people? or the things that God's called us to do. Anybody ever read about the, uh, the, the villains or the bad guys in the story and you're like, oh, that sounds like me too. I identify with them a lot. The word is supposed to encourage us to become more like Christ. Sometimes that encouragement comes through revealing that we're not. It should encourage us to be bolder in sharing the gospel. It should encourage us to be better husbands, better wives, better fathers, mothers, grandparents, and children, because none of us have arrived. Amen? Amen? The word of God should encourage us to become more like who Christ wants us to be in every role that he's called us to be in. And that takes work and effort, and it takes time spent in his word. So encourage them and strengthen them this means to cause someone to become stronger in the sense of more firm and unchanging in attitude or belief. Anybody ever struggled with doubt when it comes to your faith? 
Liars. I've struggled with doubt. I've struggled with it plenty of times. It can be hard. Anybody ever struggle with doubt of the, the circumstances that you're in that you're wondering where God is when that's happening? Anybody ever pray a prayer you really needed God to answer yes and he didn't? If you're struggling with doubt, or feel like your faith is weak, there is an answer. One of the clearest answers is study God's word. This is where God has revealed himself to us. So of course we will feel distant from God and feel a lack of intimacy with him when we aren't spending time getting to know him. Has anybody ever seen that pattern in your life where you're going through something difficult? So what's our natural tendency? Stop studying, stop praying, stop singing, stop talking to others. And then what do we feel? Very distant from the Lord. That's not by accident. Those are the things that make us closer to God. So when we're going through the toughest times, we have to spend the extra energy to say, I have to be in the word. I have to be in prayer. I have to bring others into this hurt that I'm feeling because that's the only way I'm gonna walk through this when God's not answering the prayer that I want him to answer. Strengthen the brothers. This is a close associative of a group of persons having a well-defined membership. So he strengthened when uh, Judas and Silas are preaching this message, they're encouraging, strengthening the church, building them up with the word of God, specifically the brothers, the, the church itself. But there are others there who were not part of the church that might not have been very encouraged, especially the ones who were the Jewish ones thinking the law must still be here. Can you imagine their reactions? The ones who are the ones demanding, you can't fit in until you do what we do. Act like us and follow our rules. Imagine their reactions. They just lost their fight. And they, they fought in proper church fashion. Complain until I get my way. Anybody know that one? It's, it's uh, somewhere in the Bible, I think. But the true Christians were all encouraged because God was saving lost people and equipping them to be disciples who continue to make other disciples. That's what he's called us to be. Our faith is not something that's supposed to be continually inward focused where I just say, what's in it for me? My faith has to be something that goes out with me out of this door and lets me have a burden to share the gospel with others. So they did this, Judas and Silas, they both preached and they preached with many words. This was not a short sermon. In fact, you probably have two sermons here, right? You have Silas and Judas both preaching. They had already sat and read aloud this entire letter from the, uh, from the Jerusalem church. And now Judas and Silas both preach. And yet we're immediately triggered when our watches hit 12.01 on a Sunday. Isn't it funny how little time we're willing to offer the Lord when it comes to the gathering as a church? After they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. Okay, 
They had spent some time. Let's talk about this for a minute. This was the part that really stuck out to me as I was studying this. This is what I wrote the most in my journal. We need to understand very specific things here. The church is not a building, right? So we have grown up calling it this, right? Everybody has done this, right? Most of you in this room, you grew up saying, I'm gonna go to the church, right? I'm gonna go there. It's a place that I go to. Um, when you pass by, you tell people that's my church and you point to a building. Is this building God's church? No. In fact, for most of history, churches did not have buildings whatsoever. It doesn't mean that they didn't exist as churches. All right, second thing that we talk about as church, a lot of times we'll refer to it as an event. It's something I come to to, exp to, to get something or to, to watch something. It's something I, I get to come and uh, it's a spectacle for me. I'm gonna come and watch church happen. Church is also not an experience. It's not something where I come to get something for myself. Who in here has ever been guilty of saying, I didn't get much out of that? Oh, come on, be honest with me. Who's the object of worship when we, go to, when we uh, gather as a church? God. So what I get out of it is not what's important. It's am I offering my worship to God in song, in prayer, in study, and in giving? The object is the Lord, not us, not a building, and not an experience. Church is a gathering of God's people for the purpose of worshiping him and building each other up. This means we have to spend time together. I'm so sorry, because some of us are weird, right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> we can't be church. We can't be a family of families if we're not spending time together. That's a requirement. And the fact is, one of the things I do love, I love this so much. So we started doing the, the I've been calling it family time. I think that's a good name for it. But that right before um, we pray for the kids, just saying hi to people. It's funny, the first week we did it, I was watching. Within about 10 seconds, everybody was back in their seats, right? It's like, oh, I'll give high five. Okay, uh, uh, that's weird, awkward. Now it literally lingers for minutes and I have to pull people back in. And I love that because you're starting to spend time together. You're starting to enjoy being around each other. But here on Sunday morning is not gonna be the best way that you're gonna find real fellowship. The easiest way for you to find true church fellowship family time is to join a life group. We have them on weekdays. We have them on Sunday mornings at Sunday school. Either one of those is a way that you can actually spend time getting to know people, sharing your burdens. In fact, some of you in here might be saying, I need to start one. I need to be leading one of those. I've not been doing that. That's something that I'm gifted at, something I'm called to. I need to lead one and I, don't, I just don't know how. Well, I can tell you how. Uh, Steven, Casey's up there right now, the, the super tall dude, go talk to him. Go and tell him he would love to hear that because he could help you get that going. But we gotta spend time together. We have to do this. So when I meet with my life group on Mondays, one of the things we do, are, the majority of our time, we'll spend some time studying, but our most important time we spend is in prayer for each other. And we are gut level honest. I don't know that there's many weeks that there aren't tears shed um, on, on every end. 
There's a, it, most weeks, there's certainly lots of laughter, but most weeks we have lots of tears shed because we're bearing burdens together. We're sharing them and, and walking through life together. That's hard to do in this room, isn't it? Because it's not like for the most part, most people aren't brave enough to say, hey, Colin, wait a minute, I need to tell the whole church something I'm struggling with so I, they can pray for me. But you can do that in a group of a smaller group of people. You know, it's even crazier. So yes, join a life group. And if I, I, it might be a soapbox of mine. I'm gonna say it as many times as I can. You need to be in one. It's important. It's the way that we're family together. But you know, another thing you could do, this is crazy. None of you guys are this crazy. What if you found somebody you didn't know very well and you invited them to go to lunch with you today? Oh, whoa. Now we're, now we're getting into like my, my time. Sorry, Colin, that's for me. But what if we just spent time together? So after they spent some time, after they, they lingered, after they spent this time together with the church, then Judas and Silas were sent off in peace. You can only be sent off in peace by a church if you have spent time loving that church. My perspective, just from what I see, what I've seen, is that the majority of people leave churches for wrong reasons and in wrong ways. Anybody else feel like they've seen that perspective? Their reasons are typically selfish preferences, right? And their methods are typically gossiping, gathering a mob, then suddenly disappearing while still shooting bullets through more gossip texts and posts on social media. Anybody ever seen that? Surely not. Christians, do, church people do that? God constantly called Christians to new churches in, in the New Testament. You see this repeatedly, right? You see God saying, hey, you go here now, you go here. So the, the moving around is not something that is sinful or bad. It doesn't need to be something that's uh, harmful to any church. It was a good thing. He was calling them to new ministries. This was something to celebrate and send. And that's the way that you leave a church. As you see God doing a new ministry, calling you somewhere else to be a part of something. And you say, hey, I see what God's doing. This is a good thing. I'm gonna talk to my church so I can be sent and we can celebrate God doing something in another church because how should we be, how should we feel about God blessing other churches? Great. We should be praying for him to bless other churches, even if it's in spite of Clinging Ridge because it's not about us. It's about God. It's about his mission to reach the lost. That's what we're here to be a part of. So Judas and Silas get to be sent. Do you think Antioch would have wanted them to stay? Yes, those guys were incredible. They are great missionaries, great preachers, great leaders. But because they spent time loving the church and they saw God calling them to something else, to do something else, a new ministry, they got to be sent off in peace because of the time they spent loving this church. They were sent off by the brothers. The church in Antioch wouldn't have wanted these men to leave, but they earned the chance to be sent in peace because they spent time with the church. And the church could let go of their preferences to hold more tightly to the gospel because that's what we cling to. Okay, we're, we're here to something fun. This is a little aside here. How many of you in here are missing verse 34? Anybody look at that? So some of you have verse 34, some of you don't. 
Let's talk about it because this is fun stuff. Okay, if you have a King James Bible, you have the, uh, verse 34 and it says, however, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Okay, we're gonna talk through verse numbers and things like that for a second first. The first English Bible to use chapters and verses was the Geneva Bible that was written in 1560. They were not in Greek or Hebrew manuscripts or the first many translations of the Bible. Okay, so verses were added later on to make it easier to find stuff. So you wouldn't just have a letter saying, and uh, it wouldn't just be, hey, in Acts, turn to somewhere in the middle and try to find these words, right? That would be tough to preach through because you would have a hard time following me, right? So verses and chapters were added later to help in the churches uh, studying together. There, uh, they weren't in these original manuscripts or these uh, ancient ones. There are fa several families of manuscripts and most translating teams use each of them to find the best possible translation when there are minor differences between the manuscripts, okay? Verse 34 is not found in any of the oldest manuscripts. So all new translations have omitted it. But I wanna, here's what I wanna say about it, just to make sure that we don't have uh, hurt feelings. Including this verse or not does not change anything about the story or the veracity of the Bible. Because here's the thing, the reason that that's in there in, uh, in at least the, the, the Texas Receptus uh, uh, manuscript that was uh, what the King James was built off of mainly is because we see later, who does Paul choose to go on, uh, go on his next missionary journey with? He goes with Silas next. So Paul and Barnabas have a fight, we'll get there, it's fun. Uh, and Barnabas and Paul split ways and Paul goes with Silas. Well, but what about the fact that Silas just got sent off to go back to Jerusalem? How could Paul take Silas if he's gone? So A, it's okay as Silas remains. It's, it's, that's a perfectly good way for this to happen. But the other thing is we forget to read Acts and um, understand how, how much time has happened here. During this period, these first 15 chapters have covered about 15 years. It's not a minute by minute walkthrough of everything that happened. This is years of time that have happened during this. So it is okay if Silas did go back to Jerusalem and then Paul got him later and went weeks later on his next missionary journey. There's nothing wrong with that. So this does not change whether or not the Bible is reliable or true. This is okay. So that's where your verse 34 is. There's your, I, I, I like nerding out with the stuff. This is fun to me. So if any of you guys just got totally tuned out, I'm sorry, that's fun to me. I like these things. Um, okay, I'm gonna read verse 35. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. They remained. This word means to remain or stay in a place with the implication of some type of activity. So while the rest of the brothers left to return to the church of Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas stayed. They had more work to do at this church. It's amazing how powerful choosing to stay with someone truly is. And I think that this is true for the church, right? Choosing to stay, choosing to remain and be, especially stay and spend time together is powerful. But I think it's also true with us as individuals, right? So maybe this is a question you should ask yourself. Is there anyone in your life right now that you need to choose to stay with? Especially if you don't really want to. Maybe it's somebody that you have tension with. Maybe there's somebody that you've struggled with. Maybe there's somebody that's hurt you. And you need to say, I, I need to stay with that person. Maybe they're hurting and you've had a hard time walking with them because you're like, I don't know what to do anymore. 
And all they need for you to do is just stay. So they stay, they remain. Paul and Barnabas stay there and they continue teaching. This means to provide instructions. These Christians desperately needed to grow in their knowledge of God. Paul and Barnabas aided their growth by teaching them the word. All of us need this growth. This is why the primary role of any pastor is teaching the word of God, feeding the sheep, right? His primary job is to preach the word of God, teaching and preaching. So this is the, uh, a word that comes from the, the Greek word evangelism. It means to communicate the good news concerning something. In the New Testament, particular reference to the gospel message about Jesus. Some people have uh, misused this verse to say there's a difference between um, styles and there's teaching, there's preaching. This is not contrasting these two. All real preaching must contain teaching. You have to explain the word, have to. Paul and Barnabas taught the whole counsel of God to the church of Antioch, but they also spent time sharing the gospel and pleading with the community to believe in Jesus as their savior. So they spent time teaching and preaching the word of God to build the church up and they spent time preaching the gospel to the lost people in the, uh, in the community. Both are necessary. Okay, and they're preaching and teaching their thoughts and opinions. Oh no, that's not right. They're preaching and teaching their preferences on how to do things. Nope, not that either. They're preaching and teaching the word. This is the only thing that's worth preaching and teaching. Who in here has an opinion? Oh, that's, that's good. Who in here has a preference? Who in here regularly has all of your preferences and opinions met at all times? We're all probably pretty good at arguing for what we prefer and for what we want, right? But those messages of opinions and preferences will never create disciples of Christ. Did you know that? They will never create a disciple of Christ. They will only create division. Only God's word can create believers and people who are saved by Jesus Christ. Only God's word. That's why we're gonna only preach and teach the word of God. Just bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I have a few questions just as we wrap up. We read a lot about people being encouraged by the leaders of this church as they remain and spent time. My first question is this, do your words and posts encourage others and cause them to rejoice in Christ? Or do they tear down and distract? Will you repent of any of those words today? Second of all, are you choosing to spend time truly being church with us at Clinging Ridge? Are you in a life group? Are you giving your time to know others well enough to weep with them and to rejoice with them? Are you allowing others to do that with you? And my last question is this, are you holding more tightly to God's words or to your own preferences and opinions? Because only one of those is worth clinging to. Jesus, I pray that you would draw us to you 
Lord, help us to be a church that truly is a family of families. As we spend time together, we can learn to know each other, we can weep with each other, we can rejoice with each other, we can have all things in common and we can share things with each other as we have needs. Lord, I pray you would rid us of divisions over small things like preferences and opinions and unify us around your word and what you've done. Lord, I pray for the people that are in this room that don't know you as their savior. I pray, God, that you would, your spirit would just show them who you are. Reveal their nature and show them, let them see themselves as they truly are, that they are broken and dirty and sinners, but that you love them where they are enough to die for sinners. And you're offering salvation. And Christ, I pray that they would accept you as their savior this morning. I love you so much, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Please stand and respond however God leads you.